Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. to be on mission. It's meant to be making a difference. We, we're called to something great, a great plan and a great purpose as the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, God has given us tools to accomplish that job. He's equipped us to be able to do it. And some of those tools that God has given us are the gifts of the Spirit. And so that's the context of the gifts of the Spirit. It is equipping for us to be able to, to make a difference. Now, I know that this is a contentious issue. I know that it's something that not every Christian agrees about. And many churches and denominations have taken a stance where they, where they say they don't believe fully in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 as being for today. People that are cessationists being, believing that the gifts have ceased. Uh, we're certainly not cessationists here at Anchor Church. We are continuationists because we believe that God is still moving and, and still equipping His church like He always has because our mission hasn't ended. The, the vision hasn't stopped. It hasn't changed. God wants to still be working powerfully through His church. And, uh, and, and that's what we believe in. That's what we believe that God has for us. And we find that even people that kind of deny the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as being for today accidentally operate by them. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll go, like, I, don't, I don't believe that healing is for today. And then I'll pray for somebody and they'll get healed. Like, I, don't, I don't quite know what I should do with that. But, you know, God just answered prayer. It's just answered prayer. It's not the gift of healing or anything like that, you know. Or, or they'll, they'll, they'll say, I just feel like, you know, I want to encourage you with something that I'm feeling God is saying to me about you. And, and unknowingly, they're actually sharing a word of knowledge or a word of, of wisdom. This even happened to Charles Spurgeon as he took a particular stance on the gifts of the Spirit um, and, and, and kind of argued against the, them continuing into our present age. And, and then in one service he wrote in his diary, he was in one service, and while he was preaching, um, he stopped in the middle of his message and pointed to a guy who was sitting there and said, the gloves that you're wearing are not your own. And, um, and this guy came to him after the service and confessed that he had never stolen anything in his life, but he had stolen those gloves from his employer and that he would be returning them on Monday. And, and so, you know, oftentimes, even when we deny it, we find that it's actually quite natural. It's something that once you begin to engage with God's Spirit and you're in the context of community, that you'll feel that God puts something on your heart to share with someone else. That's nothing more than the gift of the Spirit. That's nothing more than, than God actually using you to share a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. And so rather than kind of putting massive labels on them and going, okay, I need to operate in this and it's a weird thing and we don't, sometimes we should just let the Holy Spirit speak through us. If you feel like praying for someone, if you feel moved to pray for someone, pray for them. If you feel moved to share an encouraging word or a thought that you feel God is laying on your heart for someone, share it. It's incredibly powerful uh, when God uses us in these ways. And in essence, what He is doing is that He is just helping us to share the love of God. That is the context of, of the gifts that God gives us. And so Paul goes into that and he says that I want you to earnestly desire the gifts. Why? Because it's one of the greatest ways that we can show God's love to people. It's, it's, it's an expression of God's love. The operation of the gifts is an expression of God's love. And that's why after Paul has explained the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and spoken about the gifts, he goes into chapter 13 where he says, this is what it's all about. 
It's all about showing people the love of God, people experiencing in a very tangible way God's love. And so he says, church, if we're going to operate in these gifts, we've got to operate in them by love. They work by love. Faith works by love. It works as we become an expression of God's love. He goes as far as saying, even if you could operate in all of the gifts at the same time, even if you could speak in the tongues of men and of angels and, and you could prophesy and you could do all of these things, you, you knew all the mysteries of knowledge and wisdom and, and, and you, could, you, could, you had the faith to move mountains and work miracles and, and you would even give and sacrifice yourself, even give yourself up to be burned. If you did all of that stuff but did not have love, then ultimately it is worth nothing. You gain nothing, you give nothing, you get nothing. It's worthless. It's all only empowered when it operates in love. Otherwise, he, he actually goes as far as saying it is like a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. And, and a clanging cymbal, is, it's not a pleasant sound. It's irritating, right? It's an irritating. If I just got a big gong up here and just constantly hit it, Eventually, you'd all be like, please stop, please, we get it. Like, if I did that as an illustration, even the illustration would be like, you know, 10 seconds max, you know. We're not going to go on with that because, because it's, it's ir an irritating sound. And what Paul says is that if we're operating in all of these massive gifts and miracles are happening and we're sharing prophecies and we, we're speaking in tongues and we've got faith to move mountains, but we have no love in it, ultimately, it's off-putting. It's irritating. It, it switches people off if it doesn't involve love. And so he uses a whole chapter to talk about this context of the gifts as being uh, about love. And the reason why Paul does this is because this was the main problem in the Corinthian church, is that they were prideful. And pride loves self. They had fallen in love with what they could get. They had fallen in love with what, what they were experiencing and what they wanted to get out of it and became prideful as God operated powerfully still through them. They became prideful. They took it as an opportunity to be boastful about their own abilities and their own spirituality. They made it about themselves. Everything they did, even when operating by the grace of God. We know the gifts of the Spirit are just that. They're gifts. A gift isn't earned. You know, a gift is not something that you work for. That's a salary. That's a wage. No, this is something that was given freely by God's grace. And so they receive the gifts of the Spirit by God's grace. And they're operating powerfully in them in this church in Corinth. But the problem is they've got the wrong heart. They're prideful. And Paul's been addressing this pride all the way through. And so even these things became just another opportunity for them to boast. And so what we see here is that Paul is actually really glad that they're operating in the gifts of the Spirit. He's happy about the fact that they're moving in the Spirit, but he's addressing the heart with which they're doing it. Ultimately, he's saying, even if you could personally operate in all of them, you've, you've got to do it by love. Otherwise, it's worth nothing. He also says that the Spirit distributes all of these gifts to individuals as He wills. It's by the grace of God. And I know why he's saying that, because if you look at that prideful state that this church was in, if somebody, they, they, were, they were operating powerfully in the gifts. Clearly they were. But what happens is, is that when you put the emphasis on self and you begin to operate in the gifts, what happens is you begin to feel superior to others. You're like, well, I prophesy. I'm a prophet. Come, come, let me, you know, and, and, and it begins to develop this culture of, there's almost a hierarchy that develops on the basis of who seems the most gifted in the church. 
And so Paul says there's some guys out there that are, that are you know, they're being all flashy and they're operating in the gifts. And then, and then sometimes we overlook people that don't have such, such obvious gifts as this one or that one. And, and you're beginning to create a, a structure of superiority. And he's saying, I want you understand, to understand that that is not how the body works. In the body, every part is important. And yes, they all have different functions according to how God graces them. But we cannot say that any part of our body is worth less than another. We all do this together. And so he points them back to, this is not about creating heroes in the church and, and, and people that, that, are, that are kind of lauded as the greater, the greater ones or in some way superior. He's saying, don't think that you are better than others because you're operating in those gifts. Don't let it be an opportunity for pride. This is what, what Paul is saying. Um, understand that each of us are gifted as God graces us. And so what Paul doesn't do in any of these chapters, chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, what he doesn't do is try to convince the Corinthian church that the gifts are for today. He, he's, not, he's not writing to other apostles. He's not writing to other pastors. He's writing to the church and we can see that, that he's not trying to convince them to operate in the gifts. It's similar to how the Bible doesn't try to prove to you that it is the Word of God. It, it assumes that you already understand when you pick up this book and you read it, you already understand it's the Word of God. It just says what it is from where it is and what it is. You know, it doesn't, it's not trying to convince you. In the same way, Paul's not actually making an argument trying to convince the church that the gifts are for today because they are clearly already understanding that. They're operating in the gifts. It's just that some are doing it with the wrong focus. Their focus isn't quite right. They're looking to the gifts to give them some sense of affirmation. And as a, a pastor, you know, I've been a pastor now. Somebody asked me yesterday, I did a wedding yesterday, and somebody asked me, how many years have you been in ministry? And I had to count, and, and I realized it's been 15 years since I was in full-time ministry. And I remember when I, when I was a young pastor, when I was 21, 22 years old, joining a staff and coming us off in, in a church that really did value the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, but as a result of it, it created this culture where those that could operate most powerfully in those gifts or seem to operate most powerfully almost did take on kind of a new level or a higher, they had higher regard in the church. And so as a young pastor, I wanted to be seen that way. I wanted to, to come across as gifted and I wanted people to believe in my ministry and I wanted to be affirmed. And so I wanted to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, not so that I could love others, but so that I could affirm myself. And this is the problem. This is the problem. Paul, Paul's actually talking about this. That's, you know, they're clearly operating in it, but they're looking to those gifts to make them feel good enough as individuals. And this was the issue um, in the church of Corinth. And it's also really the issue with how we, besides for the gifts, just in a more general sense, how many, many, many people approach gathering together as the church? How many people approach the church? You know, so many, when, 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 when they think about church, they think, I, I need to go to church today. And man, I'm hoping that that pastor, that, you know, that he's done, done his praying, that he's anointed and that he's heard from God because I need a word, right? I, I need some encouragement. I need to be built up. I need, I need the word for me today, you know, or I hope the worship team's going to bring their A game. And I think the worship team really did do so well today uh, after not having been together and having to start up services again, like, 
you know, with a, with a few days turnaround, the guys just absolutely crushed it. But, but that worship team better be on, on song today, uh, excuse the pun, because, I, because I, I need to connect with God. And so, so many people come to church because of what they feel they need, what they feel they want in the moment, what they feel they need to get out of it. And we're really glad that we get to encourage you. We're really glad that you come to church in order to be encouraged and to connect with God. But the church needs to be more than just that. It needs, there needs to be more in it. How many of you, in the last few weeks of lockdown, not having had church, thought to yourself, I really can't wait to get back to church because I'm sure there's some people there that God wants me to encourage. Oh, I, I can't wait to get back to church because I know that there are people that are hurting right now. There are people that are going through some difficult times right now, and I just want to be able to be there for them. I just want to be able to pray for them. I just want to be able to share a kind word or to serve them or to, or, to, or to be a part of the process of reaching some people in this city that don't know Jesus. I want to go to church so that I can help people meet Jesus. I want to go to church so that I can be that one that will connect with a visitor, that will get them into a process where God can begin to transform them, their lives and lead them into His calling and His plan and His purpose. I want to be a part of that. I can't wait for church to open up again because I want to be a part of God's vision and mission. I want to be a part of God's purpose and plan, and I want to love others. You see, that is really hitting the nail on the head of of some of that wrong, wrongful attitude that was in the church of Corinth that we also adopt, where we think that going to church is about what we can get, rather than seeing it as an opportunity where we get to give, rather than seeing it as an opportunity where we get to be a part of those making a difference. And so church is not just all about the individual, it's not all about you. And this is, honestly, when you, when you make church, and gathering together in this community all about what you can get out of it, when people approach it almost in that transactional way, then what happens is that you open up a barn door to offense. I mean, there's, because at some point, someone is not gonna give you everything that you wanted in that moment, and you're gonna feel offended. Uh, you know, they, they, they kept messing up that song on Sunday. I just couldn't connect with God because they kept messing up that song. Can they just learn their words? so that I can connect with Jesus. I need them to do better, you know, or, or whatever it is. You know, they, you know um, people, this is why people get offended with pastors and with churches as well. But, but as pastors, you know, it's so funny to see the double standard that people apply because they'll often say, you know, church isn't all about the pastor. It's a community. And then the next sentence they'll say is, and you know, the pastor didn't even greet me today. It's like, but I thought it wasn't all about the pastor, you know, it's not. And so they, they put this, this massive emphasis on what they feel they need to get out of church, and then they leave offended. What we should be asking ourselves when we leave church is, how many people did I greet today? How many people did I connect with? How many people did I actually intentionally approach with the idea of connecting and encouraging and possibly even being the vehicle through which God would use to encourage somebody else, the vehicle through which God would speak or touch or pray or heal or do whatever God wants to do. He is gracing us to encourage each other. You see, so often we put the focus on what I want to get rather than in how God can use me to bless somebody else. And so we put the focus in the wrong place. This is the exact same issue that the church in Corinth, uh, that, that Paul's addressing here. They've, they've made church about what they can get rather than the community where they get to give. And what it's doing, especially in the context of the spiritual gifts, is that it's switching people off. 
They're like, they're just, it's just a, it's all a show. Or they're all just so proud about how gifted they are. And, and, and there's a lack of love. Is there anything more distasteful than even when people do good things, but they do it without love? They do it without authentically wanting to bless another. It feels hollow. It feels shallow. And this is what Paul is is speaking to them about. And so people are being switched off to the gifts and, and, and Paul jumps in and he says, no, 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 no. I don't want you to be ignorant about the gifts. I don't want you to, to, to um, just because some have misused them or, or appropriated them in the wrong way, I don't want you to stop operating in the gifts. In fact, here's what I want you to do, church. And he goes into 1 Corinthians 14. So he mentions the gift. He talks about love and he kind of brings it all home in, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. He says this. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So let's break that up a little bit and look at what Paul's saying to the church here. And in case you were wondering, if you're taking notes, what the title of my message was today, it's Tongues and the Church, because he kind of breaks that down. It's, it's actually a beautiful passage of Scripture. Well, uh, the first thing he says is, pursue love. Seek, desire to be, do something, be intentional about loving others. That word pursue there is, is the word di, dioko in the, in the Greek which means to aggressively chase or hunt down. <laughs> That's strong language. He's like, I want you to aggressively hunt down love, ways that you can love. Figure it out and give it your all. Do it with everything that you can. Make sure that you are looking for ways to show love. Pursue love. So people say, I don't need to go to the building. Church is not a building. I don't need to go to a building and a gathering on a Sunday. I can be encouraged just by watching church online. I can sit here on my couch and I can watch church and I can be encouraged. But you know what you cannot do sitting on your couch on the other side of a TV screen is encourage someone else. Yes, you can be encouraged, but how do you pursue love? How do you, how do you aggressively chase down showing love to others while sitting on your couch? The only thing that you can hunt on your couch is a nap, Right? But you cannot fulfill the purpose that God has for the church. And so we are to, we are to um, love others and pursue love in this way. I have a question that I, I want to ask you. And I don't, wanna, I don't want you to answer me in church. Because you know when people are in church, they always give the right answers. You know, the, the, the ask that they know the, 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 that the pastor would want. Now I want you to write this down. And in your devotional time this week, I want you to ask yourself this question. The question is, do I pursue loving others? this way? Do I pursue it this way? Am I this intentional? Am I this set on pursuing love for others? So that's how God wants us to approach church by pursuing love. The second thing he says is earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Again, many people have changed their Bibles to say earnestly discourage the, the spiritual gifts, and they, they do more to discourage the spiritual gifts than desire them. And that word desire there is the Greek word zealos, where we get our English word zeal or zealousy from. And it's an onomatopoeic word that literally is the sound of boiling water, water that's, that's bubbling over because it's so hot. 
And so God says that He wants us to have that kind of passion, literally a boiling over, bubbling fervor in our hearts for the spiritual gifts. This is not just an average, I think spiritual gifts are okay. I don't disagree with them, you know. We don't, we don't earnestly disagree with the spiritual gifts. No, I'm okay with it. No, God wants more than that. He wants us to be passionate about serving His church. This is something that He has given us. And we're passionate about it. Why? Why do we want the, the gifts of the Spirit to operate in our church? Because we love people. Because we want to make God real to people. We want people to experience His love and His power and His grace. And because we love people, we need the equipping of the Holy Spirit to say, this is what God can do in your life. Let's show you. The kingdom of God is not in talk, but in a demonstration of God's power. And so we get to reveal God to people and show them the love of God in that way. And Paul says, I want you to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, not so that you can be blessed, but because through the gifts you are pursuing love. How do I pursue love? Well, one of the ways is by operating in the gifts, by sharing a word, by praying for somebody, by trusting with somebody, standing with them and believing for what it is that they need in life. And so that is why we do it. And he goes on and he says, especially, um, uh, another question before I say that, um, that you can ask yourself this week is, do you earnestly desire the spiritual gifts? Do you earnestly desire passionately for God to work through you to encourage others? And what would that look like? That's another question you can ask yourself this week. But he goes on and he says, he speaks about uh, the prophecy. He says, especially that you may prophesy. Now, he throws that in there and it's, and it's you know, it kind of raises a question as to why would, why would he now specifically focus on prophecy? Why is, is Paul focusing in on that specific gift? And first of all, let me say that I think that there, there are a lot of people that, that say that they don't necessarily agree the gifts are for today, but Paul goes on to mention a few more gifts, and he speaks about the gift of serving and the gift of generosity and the gift of leadership and, uh, and the gift of mercy, being able to, to help those in need. And they're like, no, 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 those gifts are for today. It's just the uncomfortable ones we disagree with. It's just prophecy and tongues and, uh, and interpretation of tongues and healing. Those are the ones that, you know, those really powerful supernatural things that we're like, oh, I'm not so sure about that. But for all the rest, no, we're fine with that. But for some good measure, Paul then just goes, hey, I especially want you to pursue prophecy. I want you to desire prophecy. And again, what Paul is actually doing here is he is pointing to the heart of the gifts, which I'll explain in a moment how he's doing that by mentioning that. But I think it's quite probable, just to pause for a moment, as we've gone through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, and seen the ways that Paul speaks about the gifts, that he actually isn't even envisioning a time in the future where the church would reject the gifts. He, he's speaking about it so matter-of-fact, he's like, yeah, we all get it. This is, this is how it works. This is how, what God does, that he is actually not even envisioning a time when the church would come to a place where they believe the gifts are no longer in, in operation. And so again, he's not trying to convince the church in Corinth to believe in prophecy. He's not trying to convince them that, that tongues 
is for everyone and that, that it's a prayer language that each of us can receive. We can all speak in tongues as we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We just actually have to step up in faith and begin to speak and begin to trust God uh, for that language as we pray. He's, he's not even trying to do that because he's fully assuming that everybody in the church can already speak in tongues. If he didn't fully assume that, he wouldn't say in this chapter that if somebody that is an unbeliever comes into church and all are speaking in tongues, that person will think they've all lost their minds. He says all. He doesn't say if somebody walks into church and one or two are praying in tongues, those that have the gift, the others you can't, but for those. No, he says, let's not all speak in tongues when we gather together at the same time because it's going to seem it's going to seem out there to anybody walking in. And so he fully assumes that everyone can speak in tongues. And, and we believe that at Anchor Church, and I'll show him a little bit more on that uh, in a moment. But again, his issue is actually not trying to prove that, but the motivation, the heart. And that's why he says, especially that you may prophesy. Let me show you why he says this. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2 to 5, he says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue, Speaks not to men, but to God. So what do we call it when you speak to God? It's prayer. So it says when you speak in an unknown tongue, you're, you're not talking to people, but you're talking directly to God. This connects with Romans 8, where it tells us that the Spirit intercedes for us in our weaknesses. For when we do not know how to pray as we ought, He intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uh, uttered with human speech. And so when, we, when we're praying and we don't know how to pray, how many of you have wanted to begin to pray and then, and then you said like three sentences and you're like, I don't even know how to pray about this. I don't even know what else to say. Well, the Bible says is that what God can do is through the Holy Spirit, He connects up with our spirit and we pray directly mysteries to God. We don't even know what we're praying, but through the Spirit, we're praying the perfect will of God. This is how God helps us to pray. And so he says, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries to the Spirit, the one who speaks in an unknown tongue. On the other, other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people. So the, here he's bringing a distinction between tongues, just as a prayer language, and a prophecy which is now to encourage someone else, to uplift them. So he says, uh, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their up, upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. I want you all, not some, not those who have the gift, all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So again, you can see here, Paul's not trying to convince them that speaking in tongues is for all believers. He assumes that they already get that. They already understand that. And he confirms it by saying that, he's basically saying, look, I'm not saying I don't want you to speak in tongues. I'm not saying I don't want you to pray in tongues. I want you all to speak in tongues. And he, he's very pro speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. And we see that personally. He says here, um, the one who speaks in tongues, first of all, speaks to God, utters mysteries in the spirit and builds himself up. It's an edifying thing for you to pray in tongues. It's an awesome thing. I love it. Like I drop my boys off at school uh, early every morning and then I drive back home and I make myself a cup of coffee. I sit in my lounge. I put on some worship. And for the first few minutes, all I do is I just walk around and I pray in tongues. 
And I can actually feel my spirit being built up, me connecting to God. And I feel like God even speaks to me powerfully in those times where I'm praying in tongues. It's almost as if I'm interpreting for myself what the Holy Spirit is praying through me. Like God is bringing it up in my spirit. He puts someone on my heart and I can begin to pray for them. And then he, he reminds me of something and I begin to pray for that or he reveals something to me and I can pray into that. And so in the same way that Paul says, I'll pray with the spirit and pray with the mind, we begin to interact with God's Holy Spirit as he reveals those things to us. And it's, it's majorly uplifting. It's majorly uplifting for us. And I love to do that. It says in Jude 1 verse 20, it connects with this. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Some people say, well, praying in the Spirit doesn't mean praying in tongues. No, Paul actually says, when you pray in the tongue, you pray in the Spirit and not with your mind. Your mind is unfruitful. We'll look at that scripture now. Unfruitful. So it is praying in the Spirit. He says, when I pray in the Spirit, I'm building myself up in the most holy faith. In Ephesians 6, we all know the armor of God. We all believe that the armor of God is for everybody, right? The breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. We believe that all those things are for all believers. Well, in Ephesians 6, 17, he says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, comma, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And so praying in the Spirit is a part of operating in the armor of God. It's a part of putting on the armor of God. We're praying in the Spirit. We're connecting with God. So praying in unknown tongues, which is literally what the Greek means when it says tongues there, it builds you up. It's part of God's armor for you. And so it's useful. It's good. It's a great thing. It's a gift that God has given to us. And so if you're still one of those that disagree with tongues as being a prayer language that everybody can receive through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All I'm going to do is, is quote scripture to you this morning. Here it is. Paul's words verbatim. I want you all to speak in tongues. Just quoting scripture, okay? So we don't have time today to explain how the baptism of the Holy Spirit enables every believer uh, to speak in tongues. You can go through and, and, and read the book of Acts and, and, and see what happened every time somebody was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the scriptures and what I see there. But if praying in tongues edifies you, builds you up, um, and Paul says it's something that we should do at all times, it would be a majorly unfair thing of Paul to say, if only some people could do it. I want you to build yourself up. Sorry, guys, only some of you. <laughs> the rest of you, you're just gonna have to be unbuilt up for the rest of your life because you didn't get that gift. No, all of us can pray in this language. But um, here's the problem that Paul had with the Corinthian church. They were so enjoying praying in tongues and speaking in tongues and building themselves up. Even when they got together in church, they just wanted to pray in tongues and, 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 and worship in tongues and sing in tongues. They just wanted to speak in tongues and be built up and be built up and be built up. Being edified in the Spirit that they forgot that they weren't put on earth just to be built up themselves. They forgot that the, the purpose wasn't just so that they could be encouraged but that they were supposed to be encouraging others also. And so they only focused on what would build themselves up rather than to prophesy, to share a word with God with somebody else that would encourage that person, that would encourage another person. Exactly like what we said people do with church. I want to receive. Uh, I'm not so sure about the giving part. 
So when you pray in tongues, you receive, but let's not forget to prophesy. And that's why Paul says, I want you to operate in love, pursue love, desire the gifts, especially that you may encourage others, especially that you may prophesy and encourage someone else through a word. So he says, it's really great that you're building yourself up by praying in the Spirit, but there's something even greater than that when you build someone else up. And that's why he says the one who prophesies is greater than the one speaking in tongues. Unless, of course, somebody in the church can interpret what is being, prof- what is being said in tongues so that the church may be built up, so that it becomes equal to prophecy. In 1 Corinthians 14, 6, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I come to you, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Imagine if I got up here on a Sunday and I took the mic and I felt like, man, I just want to be encouraged this morning. And so I just start speaking in tongues for 35 minutes. And by the time I'm done, I'm like, all right, thanks, everybody. Have a great Sunday. How many of you will leave here encouraged? You'll probably be more bored than you would be built up, right? Because you wouldn't understand a word I'm saying. I would be like a foreigner. I might as well have invited someone from France. I don't know if anybody speaks French here. Maybe some of you do. But Or, or what is a, a really obscure language? I don't know. Um, Norway, Norwegian. I don't know. Mandarin, Chinese, whatever. Get us, and they just preach in another language. And then we all go, thanks for that, pastor. We wouldn't understand what was being said. And Paul says, so I can come to you, and I can speak in tongues in front of all of you, but how's that going to benefit you? Unless I can bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching, it's got to make sense so that you can apply it to your life and believe in it. He goes on in verse 13. He says, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Pray that God actually gives you the understanding of what is being spoken in tongues so that those that hear can understand. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray in the spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? You may be giving thanks well enough. Again, he reiterates, it's it's great that you're giving God thanks through tongues and you may be doing this well enough, but the other person is not being built up. So it's just for you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, Paul says. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Because church isn't all about me. Church isn't all about what I can get. It's about how I can encourage others. Listen to how the message uh, uh, paraphrase puts those last two verses, verses. It says, I'm grateful to God for the gift of praying in tongues that he gives us for praising him, which leads to wonderful times of intimacies that we enjoy with him. I enter into this as as much or more than any of you. But when I'm in church assembled for worship, I'd rather say five words that everyone can understand and learn from than saying 10,000 that sounds to others like gibberish. And so this is about how we're encouraging others. And how we're being 
the, the, the mouthpiece of God, how we're being the hands and feet of Jesus, how we're, how we're pursuing love and exercising those spiritual gifts in a way that builds others up. And so don't just use the gifts to, to build yourself up. Don't just use it as an opportunity to feel good about yourself. No, go out and encourage others. This is God's intention and purpose for the gifts. And so I want to encourage you today, Anchor Church, as we get back to meeting together and being together, let's be the kind of church that pursues love. Let's be the church that operates powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit, but not with a thought about what we're gaining out of it. Let's put the focus on how we're loving others, how we're encouraging, how we're building up, how we're sharing. The gifts of the Spirit are there so that we can encourage others. Tongues is awesome, and we should all speak in tongues. And we should all pray in tongues. But more than that, we should desire to share a word with others. As we pursue love and earnestly desire the gifts, and especially that we may speak the word of God into the lives of others. Let's remember that church is not just about us, but about reaching uh, reaching out to our city. It's not just about encouraging each other even. Like, that's one aspect of it. We get to encourage others. But Paul says there in chapter 14 that it's also about being a sign for unbelievers. And so the focus is not just on us as a community, but also those that are not yet a part of this community. And we really have that desire as Anchor Church. We do not just want to be a holy huddle that comes together and, and you know, we have awesome praise and worship and, and we maybe encourage everybody in this building, but then we have no love for people that do not yet know Christ in our city. No, this love that God gives us, God loved us all as sinners so much. He demonstrated His love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God. And so there are people in this city that while they are yet sinners, while they, are, they have not yet come to know the love of God and put their faith in Jesus, they are not yet believers. Let's love them the same way that Christ loved us. Let's reach out to them. And let's trust that God could use the gifts of the Spirit as we maybe pray for them or believe for them or share a word of God with them, that God would actually use that as a sign of His love. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I know that there have been moments in my life that have been difficult. And when, when somebody shares a word with me that they heard, hey, Adrian, God said something to me about you this week, and I just want to encourage you with this word. And, 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 and it's some, something that I know that only God would have known. Man, I always experience God's love in that moment. I'm like, God is so good. He cares so much. He is so involved. He's not too busy with other things. He sees my life and he wants to speak into my life. And, I'm, and, and it always leads me to wanting to just worship God more. And that's how we get to not only encourage one another, but also reach out to our city and share the love of Jesus. So let's not be, you know, and uh, Pastor Mark mentioned this in a, in a, in a verse a while back, um, as we, I think it was in 1 Corinthians 11. But let's not be contentious. If any of you are contentious, Paul says, you didn't learn that from us. We're not contentious. We're not going to argue about different, you know, get into little doctrinal. Because the purpose is that we believe and understand that we come together to love each other. We come together to be the mouthpiece of God. Yes, it's awesome that you're speaking in tongues, praying and building yourself up in the Holy Spirit. But don't forget that church is not all about you. It's also about reaching out and encouraging others. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand this morning as we pray together?